Welcome to Women in Chemicals, Women of the Week. I'm Amelia. And I'm Kylie, and we're joined this afternoon by Chelsea Berlin, Global Strategic Sourcing and Sustainability for WR Grace. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. This week's episode is sponsored by Royal Chemical. At Royal Chemical, they're in the business of developing solutions to your problems. Each job is their top priority. Every challenge is their opportunity to serve you. With more than 80 years of experience in chemical blending, Royal Chemical has the expertise to be your preferred contract manufacturing partner. Ready to see how Royal Chemical can help to find the best customized approach to your business's unique needs? Contact Royal Chemical today to schedule your free chemical consultation. Great, thank you, Amelia. And thanks, Chelsea, for joining us this afternoon. We're really excited to have you. Um, so what we love to do to kick these things off is to please have you introduce yourself to our community. So be that um, career-wise, where you've been and how you got here, and education-wise, maybe how that helped you along the way as well. Absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Again, my name is Chelsea Berlin. I work for WR Grace, which is a high-performance specialty chemicals and materials company, for those of you who aren't familiar with us. Um, I currently oversee our global strategic sourcing and procurement functions, as well as I'm championing what we call our Grace Responsible Sourcing Program, uh, which is really a broad umbrella term for supplier sustainability, risk, diversity, quality, and just like the overall engagement with our supply base. Um, so it's really a fun initiative. It's something we started last year and it's uh, really held us in good stead throughout the pandemic, you know, as, as all of us were experiencing risk and resilience planning. Um, I've been with Grace for close to 12 years um, and have over 15 years overall experience in the workforce. Um, I started out as a computer science professional. I am a certified SAP programmer. And then now I'm working in a very different field in operations and sourcing uh, management. So it all started when I was born to wonderful parents back home in Mumbai, India. Uh, my dad was a doctor and my mom worked for a bank. And both of them worked really hard and sacrificed a lot professionally to raise two kids, uh, me and my sister. Um, you know, my sister went on to become a doctor and I chose the engineering field. Uh, hard work was never a choice in our uh, home. It was mandated. So um, when I started off as a computer science engineer, I ended up doing a dual degree in chemistry, uh, basically because it allowed me to drop an elective Little did I realize that I would actually end up working for a chemical company in the future. Uh, so it's amazing where life can take you and all the twists and turns along the way. Um, but um, upon graduation, I ended up working for a company called Larson & Tubro, which is a British conglomerate uh, based in India. And um, they are responsible for construction and infrastructure planning. So. I was uh, working for a client called Motorola and responsible for setting up their entire SAP landscape, um, really core SAP and programming stuff. Um, little did I realize that the business side would interest me so much. So I really enjoyed working with the clients, understanding procurement, understanding what their functions were, how they interacted with suppliers. 
Um, and I was bored of being an engineer. So I decided to switch gears, do my MBA in operations and um, procurement. And uh, that's when I had my first tryst with Grace, honestly. Um, I had a six month internship while I was doing my MBA program and I was working for Grace up in Boston, Massachusetts and really loved the work I was doing as a supply chain analyst. Um, I guess they loved me equally uh, because I ended up doing my internship for a year and then was offered a position upon graduation. So I've worked with the company ever since just in different roles in sourcing and procurement uh, learned a ton along the way and um, really enjoy what I do. So I'm happy to be here and share with both of you in any way I can. Yeah, wow. You have a, a very interesting and unique background. And I continue with every one of these conversations how to be surprised about how everyone's story is a little bit different. And I love how some aspect of it usually is not planned, right? And so you talk a lot about like career development and having a five-year plan. And, and sometimes things happen that come your way that you've just got to take advantage of. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. So it sounds as though you, you've had some unique experiences, both within you know, your engineering background as well as your sourcing and procurement background. I'm curious to know um, for this next question, what your take on um, your perception of working in a male-dominated environment has been like, and if it's been different in, in working across those two different, the engineering versus the sourcing and procurement space. So um, as you can imagine, India is still a very male-dominated society. And um, in engineering school and all throughout my education, really, we were just 18 girls in a class of 72 boys um, in engineering. So it's always been that way. The ratio to females to males has always been uh, sparse. But um, when I first started my first job in Larson and Tubro, I was the only girl in a team of 12 males uh, ranging different age groups. Uh, so I was probably the youngest female joining that team. Um, and it wasn't, I would say, no one really treated me differently just because I was female. But it was a great learning experience because I was able to prove myself worthy, grow within that team, and in a short span of two years, actually became the team lead. That changed the dynamic a little bit because now I had men who were older than me, maybe had more experience than me having to report to me. Um, it wasn't the most fun experience, I'll be honest with you. Um, it, uh, it was definitely trying at times, but um, it, it taught me a great deal. I mean, with every experience, you just get stronger and you learn how to deal with people uh, and read different personalities, just read the tone of the room before you walk in. I will say um, I'm very fortunate to be living and working in the US. I think sometimes we do take for granted how much opposition women in other parts of the world have to deal with. Um, and that was certainly true, you know, growing up and living in India. I think we have a lot more opportunity here to just speak out uh, for others and for ourselves. That is so interesting to me. And that's something that we've really discussed in these, these conversations. And I, 
this is kind of a light bulb moment for me because I feel like a lot of times these conversations do relate to females in the industry that have um, a lot of concentrated work experience within the U.S. And so for me, it's like I still, even in the U.S. and only knowing, you know, my experience and career experience within the U.S. feeling like I don't have the ability to have a loud enough voice. And that's why, you know, bits and pieces of why women in chemicals, this community exists. But then you bring that from, you know, your perspective and your experience in India and, and how women in the U.S. should be feeling a little bit more fortunate for the voice that they do have. But I would say like, this is level setting for me and that there's still work to be done on all fronts, I think. True. Amelia, what do you think about that? I, this just made me feel more and more like we need to continue our reach and expand to other geographies and keep trying to empower women in other geographies. And it, it was a light bulb moment for me as well. I started to think about how can we as women in chemicals provide resources or support to women in these geographies that are not as privileged as we are in the US. I mean, we still have a lot of work to do here, but Chelsea's right. We get to have a lot more of a voice than many women across the globe. So that's an interesting conversation that I hope we can keep having about how can we continue to help women in geographies where their cultures are more oppressive. I was young enough in my career that it was a learning moment and I was able to like let my skills demonstrate what I was capable of doing. Um, and I was fortunate to have really good bosses who, who took that as an advantage, right? Took my performance as a criteria for uh, advancing me, not just treated me unfairly because I was woman or because I wasn't old enough or had the experience that the others had in the team. And I think if, if that fairness and ethics that we all have to sign and you know, deal with in our companies today um, is prevalent all over the world, then it'll give people from different backgrounds and whether you're a woman or man, um, you know, th that voice at the table. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, I'm going to divert us for a second. I'm curious in your global role and your ties to India, do you think that since you've left your career to, to bring that to the U.S., that that has changed and, and those voices at the table are, are getting louder? I don't know. I hesitate to comment on it just because I haven't seen much of an improvement. A lot of the people that we'll interact with, so I was enjoying listening to a lot of the women in chemicals uh, events of the past uh, where people have shared, you know, we've seen a lot more women in our conferences yeah. A lot more women salespeople. I haven't seen that shift yet. Um, so okay. the suppliers that we do work with in India, it's usually men at the table. It'll men. It'll be men who travel uh, to come overseas. So I wonder if the women are still more in back office roles or just uh, not given those same opportunities as men. But I hesitate to comment because I don't want to offend anyone. Sure. In these sure. regions. <laughs> Completely understand, but I, I appreciate your, your commentary there. So moving into, I, I guess, kind of leaning on some of the commentary that we've discussed in terms of, you know, some geography, geographies might feel even more oppressed than that of where, you know, Amelia and I sit and, and Chelsea, you sit today in the U.S. here. 
Have you felt supported by women um, in, in your professional environments, maybe some more than others? Um, and how have you, or how can we take those experiences in which you may have felt support and kind of springboard those to helping support other women moving forward? Absolutely. So I think um, it's all about connecting with the people that you work with, whether you're a woman or a man. Uh, we have a great team here at Grace, um, just people from diverse backgrounds, uh, people from diverse work experiences. They've come from various fields, pharmaceutical, consumer products, all to work at a chemical company. Um, it's about connecting and really, truly wanting to know about the person. Um, I think that's where you build a strong relationship with that person. Um, I've seen a lot of committee, like we've had a committee called the Grace Women's, um, Grace Women's Council, where we try to get um, new hires in, um, familiar with Grace, tie them up with a mentor, um, just somebody to guide them along the way and inspire them in their journey. So I think that's been really helpful for us. But again, at the end of the day, just going to events and sitting there and listen isn't really going to do you any good. Um, you really need to strive to make that connection and that relationship with people. Um, on the flip side, disappointingly, I've also seen women leaders. Sometimes the higher you get in the organization and the C-suites, um, they sort of take on a different tone in their approach towards management. Um, I don't know whether it's just me or whether both of you have seen this too, but uh, I've encountered people who think that they need to be a certain way. They need to be tough, you know, to function at that level. Uh, and I just don't agree with that approach. I think as women, we bring a certain softness to the role. Uh, we bring empathy to the position and you don't have to be tough and have the loudest voice in the room to, you know, get your work done. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, I'm going to let Amelia speak up. We've talked about this quite a bit. Yeah, that's very an interesting point, Chelsea, because that's actually something I really struggled with in the beginning of my career, working in an organization, uh, my prior employer, actually, where we met, I came and called on, actually, I've called on both you and Kylie as customers <laughs> before. Um, but I was the only female on my team. And sometimes in meetings, I felt like I had to take on a more aggressive or masculine approach to feel heard or to feel respected. And it wasn't until I started going out outside of the organization to customers and suppliers and meeting other folks through industry events that I got to witness women in meetings or in business and professional settings, being a little bit softer, being more collaborative, being um, a little bit more personal. And I realized I don't need to make myself more masculine to do well. I just need to be authentic and be myself. Absolutely. So that really resonates. I think we've talked a little bit about too how in an environment where, like Amelia has said, where she is the only female voice in the room, you feel automatically, and maybe it's just like a subconscious or habitual response, that your voice is not going to be loud enough because of what's physically around you and that type of kind of that persona or that personality that's around you that is kind of male dominated, right? So I feel like we need to be more conscious, like Amelia said ourselves, in that 
you know, we can still have a loud voice, but we can do it in our way. And it doesn't need to match the, you know, male approach. Mm -hmm. We can do it in more effective, different ways. And we should do that so that we can show, like you said, Chelsea, other women that they can do that too. Yep. I think just one more thing. Another big part of it is that when you are the only woman in the room, you can feel a little self-conscious. And I think that as we start to see more women in these higher leadership roles, it becomes this topic of like, can we pull women up the ladder with us so that we don't feel like we have to take on these more masculine personas and approaches. And I think that as you know, we climb in our careers, it's important that we consider this as well, because by moving up and being authentic and bringing other women with us, we're just going to keep perpetuating the fact that we belong in these seats, we belong in these rooms, and we can do these jobs as women in our own styles. And I wonder if it's because I come from a different background or what, but I have never truly felt like the only woman in the room, even though I was the only woman in the room, um, either in my job at Grace or when meeting with any of our suppliers. And that's been a refreshing um, a refreshing change for me. You know, my voice is always heard. Um, I, I feel like people value my opinion. And my only advice to our women in chemicals community would be be confident in, confident in yourself, like in what you do and what you bring to the table. Um, sometimes guys tend to speak a lot, but there's no real substance to what they're saying. Um, so if you do tend to make a point, just don't make it to repeat what somebody else has said. Uh, but, you know, bring something of value to the table that people can truly um, take on and work with. So I, I think that's what's helped me personally gain credibility in my... For sure. That's terrific advice. I'm making some notes here myself just for that um, to take with me. So thank you. Um, Chelsea, our next question is around influence and any women in your life that have been influential to you and why? Oh boy. Well, I, <laughs> I can't think of any, um, anyone in particular. I mean, I know I spoke about my mom. Uh, we had, uh, I'm close to my family. So we always had both maternal and paternal grandparents and grandmothers who always worked and they also helped look after us. So they've been a good, a close part in shaping who I've become today. But um, I know it sounds sort of different from the cliche, but people mention this one particular person in history that they love and aspire to be. And I just, I just find inspiration from everyday women that we meet like you may be a single mom struggling to make ends meet and raising two kids. And I might strike up a conversation with you and I'm humbled by you know what you have to go through in your life and um, get done. Or you may be somebody who's just struggling at your job. Like you know we all see day to day, you may be an intern at Grace um, and I just wanna reach out and help that person um, get somewhere in their career so that they, can enjoy the work they do. So it's just, I look for these everyday moments of inspiration to, to cheer me on and that I can learn from because uh, if I didn't do that, I think my job would be quite mundane. I love that. I think that's so real. I think that's like 
and we talk about being genuine and authentic in our in our jobs and how we present ourselves with some of you know like our salespeople and, and our account reps that we connect with and you know you can always have these these personas or these these figures but i think that it's so important to acknowledge that it is just as great to to you know work with and be inspired by the people you sit with every day and talk to every day i think that's great thank you thanks so a couple other questions here while we kind of start to wrap up, Chelsea, um, we, we talk about um, in these interviews, the type of environment that we're working under today. And I think that it's quite dynamic um, in comparison to what we've experienced in the past. And it, it's been pretty challenging. Um, and so I, I bring up, you know, the impacts that COVID has had us where, you know, you're taking this interview with me from my living room. Um, and I think you're back at home as well. And so um, the environment that, you know, all of what's going on in our world is, is putting us in um, can be perceived as pretty volatile for some. Um, and so I ask you for any of your advice that helps you to keep pushing through the difficult times um, or the tough long days and, and, and things like that. It has been an absolutely whirlwind of uh, <laughs> 18 months, I think, for all of us. Um, so I'll share with both of you. I became a first-time mom in 2019. Um, so I, I gave birth to a little baby girl. And it, it, thank you. So if any of you have kids or will have kids in the future, I must say, uh, while on my hospital bed, just giving birth, I felt like the most invincible woman ever. Uh, I thought like nothing compares to this. I can overcome anything I have to do at work now that I've given birth. So that's just a mm -hmm. funny, um, funny thing. But but it is true. So um, that was 2019 when she was born, you know, just just going through the emotions of that, getting back to work. Um, and then lo and behold, the pandemic hit us in 2020. Um, my husband and I joke about this, but when the rest of the world was ringing in New Year 2020, we were both actually, I was in the back of an ambulance with my baby girl who had this really weird condition that she needed to be operated for. So we weren't even together and he was like driving behind the ambulance. Um, so that's how we rung in the New Year. And the year has pretty much uh, stayed true to that. So it was, we really didn't uh, celebrate popping champagne. So I told him, I said, 2020 was just, we need to just wipe it off the calendar. But um, I think as a family, we've had to just learn how to be parents, learn how to adjust, um, learn how to be patient with each other uh, and, you know, get through this because we were all working from home at, the, at that point. Um, and then work, I mean, in the supply chain field, it was probably the best and worst time to be in supply chain because you learned where all of your weak spots were with every single supplier. Um, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I mean, we had the pandemic, we had countries on lockdown, we had two hurricanes go through the US Gulf Coast. Um, I forget what else, there was a Texas freeze yeah. that impacted us. So every contingency plan that we had built literally went out the window because we had to have contingency plans for those contingency plans. And it, it was just ridiculous. But um, 
our team was amazing. So we, like I said, there are women and men, we literally supported each other in a way that went beyond just professionally. Like we would have teams meetings just to have like a happy hour to like mm-hmm. coach each other on, or like, what are you dealing with with your suppliers? So, so I think that was really helpful and just taking notes and lessons. So we did this, you know, what lessons are we learning from this pandemic? How can we make our supply chains more robust and resilient moving forward? Um, And I think those of us that did that will come out stronger once the economy rebounds Mm -hmm. and gets back into place because, you know, (laughs) I don't know what else can come our way, but this this has been pretty trying. I'm knocking on wood right now because we just (laughs) don't know, but (laughs) yeah. Well, thank you for that. I can relate to so much of this. I work in sourcing myself and I always try to, and I, what carries me through a lot is the sentiment that you've mentioned. It's, it's, although we've kind of hit anything imaginable that has been tossed at us, it has allowed us to have the visibility and recognize our supply chains from start to finish more than we ever have before. And so, like you said, I only hope to be able to take that visibility through with us and make improvements moving forward. So I completely agree with you there. So while we kind of move to wrapping up, we always ask our, um, the, the folks participating in our interviews, any last advice, mottos, good books you're reading, um, people to follow, podcasts to listen to, anything of the sort. Um, I took a note here myself in, in your commentary around, you know, just be co- confident in yourself and, and what you do and what you bring to the table um, to help you build the credibility that you deserve in your roles. And so I've got that as, as one of my key takeaways. So thanks for sharing that with me. You're welcome. I guess I'll be a little non-conventional here as well. So I don't read any books these days because between working and managing a toddler, there's just no time. Um, I've also really enjoyed nonfiction. Uh, I mean, fiction more than nonfiction. I, I just am not the type to read, you know, all of those business books. And I don't know, maybe it's just me. But I do enjoy reading autobiographies of like sports people and famous people. Um, the last book I read was an autobiography of Rafael Nadal that I really sort of related to and enjoyed. Uh, but I thought I'd share something really fun with you. So um, I read a lot of toddler books and these are like five minute reads. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are perfect. <laughs> but um, I've been uh, trying to get my um, two year old now acquainted with just like the concepts of gratitude and honesty right before the two-year-old temper tantrum start, you know, trying to teach her with what it means to be um, kind to people and what it means to have your own individuality. So there was a really cool book I read, which is called The Little Blue Truck. And it's about this little blue truck who has a whole bunch of friends along the way. And as he goes through life, you know, everyone's his friend, the cow, the pig, the goat. And then comes this big dump truck Um, who's just mean to everyone he's like you know duck get out of my way and right down the end of the road he gets stuck in this big puddle and nobody really cares you know no matter how loud he screams because they're like you were mean to me and the little blue truck who's so nice goes and tries to push him out and he gets stuck as well but as soon as the friends see that the little blue truck is stuck everyone rallies around him and tries to push both of them out 
And the moral of the story is the dump truck realizes that a few good friends uh, can go a long way because these are the guys that stick by you, guys or girls, um, and who are going to help you along the way. And I love that book because it sort of res resonated with me just in my career. Like you may not have everybody who's your friend at work, but just making connections like this, you know, through the Women in Chemicals group, um, through your everyday acquaintances, you just never know when something can turn out to be in your advantage or a door may open in the future. So um, thank you for having me. This has been great. And I hope I've brought something to both of you today. Many things, many things. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for that perfect wrap up to this. And thank you again for your time this afternoon. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely.